Honda CRZ Sport Hybrid. Everything a hybrid is and isn't. Introducing the Sport Hybrid. Hybrids are all the rage. Efficiency is more important now than ever. But at Honda, we weren't about to turn our backs on hairpin turns and manual gearboxes. So we designed a hybrid that defies logic and embraces the pure driving experience most hybrids ignore. The result is certainly a hybrid, but also something else altogether. For more, visit crz.honda.com. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. The lust of death's possession will overtake random banter. He won't be happy till he smells the fear. He's the angel of death. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. It's only tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. For somebody who has been complaining that his voice is gone, you just really wanted to try to belt out that song there now, didn't you? Well, I'm trying to ruin it as quick as possible. So, yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, let's delay the recording process just a little bit more. I'm not sure what that's from. I'm going to go ahead and say My Chemical Romance because it sounds kind of emo-esque. But, you know, I don't know. I just... You knew that it was a song. It is a song by Black Sabbath. Okay. And I was close with you- the emo. Yeah, very close. Uh, very so close. Uh, similar color color palette there. Do you want me to just tell you what it, the song's title is? Sure. I, I yeah. Go for it. Psycho Man. Okay. That, yep. But there, there we go. It totally fits. <laughs> I, I was also hoping that you would just start singing out "Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah. Because you know, just the, the front page of this, just ooh 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 ooh. It looks like the Sweat Hogs there. It looks like the Sweat Hogs there. I did think know? about doing some uh, some Mr. Cotta, but I was also like, well, Psycho Man's a protagonist or yeah, antagonist in this. Tip tip tip. Ah, Black Sabbath has a, a song called Psycho Man. At work, I had to try to explain to somebody what Welcome Back Cotter was oh, and why yeah. I was bringing it up after the Super Bowl because there was a commercial that had John Travolta in it mm-hmm. and. I was explaining to them what Welcome Back, Cotter was, and I was like, "This is a, it's a show from the 1970s, and oh my god, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, there's that. I saw a thing recently that was like, kids today talking about the 90s is like us kids in the 90s talking about the 60s. <sighs> yeah, well, that's how time works. We just yeah. get older and older. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, so besides going back in the Wayback Machine uh, and talking about old TV shows, I will talk about a new TV show, because... I came onto the bandwagon and I heard all the good raves and reviews and I decided I would dive in and check out what all the hubbub was about The Last of Us. Uh, haven't seen any of it yet, but I'm a proponent of it. I want to watch that. Yeah, I, I never played the video game, but I was very interested in what I was hearing about the TV show. So I started watching the TV show and I did it by myself because I was like, I have a feeling my wife's not going to like this. So I'm watching the show by myself and the horror elements are fine. It's just that there is so much emotion in this and there's so much 
real good, heavy content that after I'm watching it by myself, without my wife, I'm looking around going, I need to unload all this stuff mm -hmm. and nobody's around for me to talk about it. And I like binged like two or three episodes late on Friday night because I make good choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anybody just wants to get the vibe of what the show is about, uh, you can look at the video game. The first like 12 minutes of the video game will just like sum up everything. It'll catch you right up to speed of what's going on in that world. It's great. Yeah. Well, yes and no, because after the first that first opening few minutes of the game, all of a sudden you realize, okay, I understand something, but mm -hmm. I don't understand everything else. It is such a tonal shift about all of your expectations after that first introduction. Mm -hmm. <sighs> and then it keeps going. <laughs> so I got caught up on everything. I got a, I've been waiting today. Today's Sunday and I'm waiting for the next episode to drop and it hasn't yet. And I'm like, ah, but I caught up with it all. I was waiting for us to record. I was hoping we do it early in the day. My family took off. And so I was like, you know what? I'm a gentleman who's got disposable income and I got a PS4 here. I'm going to go ahead and start playing this game, but I'm watching the TV show. <laughs> yes, I miss playing the game and I'm not doing, doing any spoilers, but if y'all haven't seen it, if y'all can get by the zombie aspects of it all, highly recommend checking out the show because it is good. I need to see it. And th the third episode will destroy you. <laughs> Yeah. Like physically, like it hunts you down. Like it comes to your house and breaks your stuff. It gets in there and it just says, oh, that's some nice emotions you got there. Let's just go ahead and just destroy them all. How about that? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that that's uh, my dive into a facet of nerddom these days. How about you? What, uh, what nerddom stuff are you kind of getting into? Well, I've been wicked sick for over three weeks and have just started feeling better and had laryngitis. I sound amazingly like this for uh, two weeks and that literally just about got done with last night. So I've been having sick time. So I've been catching up on a lot of TV. Andor, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Andor is good. so very, very good. Bad Batch sure is doing whatever it seems like it wants to do. It's still fine and dandy. Alice in Borderlands season two is still pretty decent. Squid Game-esque. Interesting. Finished that up yesterday. Enjoyed it. I'm trying to think if there's something else that I saw and I cannot think of what it is. So, oh well. But yeah, so trying to catch up on some geek and stuff. And man, I cannot say enough good things about Andor. That is unbelievably great. It makes you realize how awesome intergalactic trade finance is. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just, and uh, art dealing. Dealing in yep. art. Art dealership, super good. A scrap workers. Palace intrigue. Political palace intrigue. Mm -hmm. Chef's kiss. Chef's oh, kiss. Yep. Goat, goat husbandry. <laughs> Just, there, it, and, and so all many, of these are true all facts. Are all, all these are true facts, and you find it all fascinating it mm -hmm. is everything that the first episode of star wars wanted to be and wasn't oh my goodness it is yeah just utterly amazing from tip to top just every yeah. little bit of it is so so good i loved it and when it finished i was like no this no not yet not yet but mandalorian no, no, season more. three is coming up at the beginning of the month so that i'm looking forward to that one so yeah 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 oh the time to be alive and watching geek stuff it is <laughs> fabulous 
Speaking of geek stuff, though, we have more geek stuff to talk about because we are still talking about some amazing Spider-Man here. So before we get to this, the last of these issues, before we go back to the FF Future Foundation, what happened on the last issue, Jeff? Why don't you tell me about it? Well... Spider-Man does the majority of the light, medium, and heavy lifting, while the fantastic, not-quite-four, goofball around with their fluctuating power sets due to the about-to-explode portal that the Sinister Six was messing around with. While Sue shuts the exploding portal down by exploding it and resetting everyone's powers, the rest of the Sinister Six are back at the Baxter building, stealing some goober for Dr. Otto Octavius that will probably be discussed in some other comic book in the future. Now that the Peter and Carly made up, and Carly reveals that she got a Spider-Man tattoo, which Peter super approves of, two sentence replays over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I understand that beer is a good way to handle sore throats. I wish I knew that two weeks ago. Let's see if I'm right or wrong. Why don't you go ahead and look and see what magical elixir I have dropped off on your doorstep for this Wonderful issue right here. I'm excited to find out. I know it's a 12-ounce can. And it is... Rotating Hop Series Hazer's Gonna Haze. Hazy IPA by Belching Beaver Brewery. (laughs) (laughs) Belching Beaver does some pretty good stuff, if I recall them correctly. Yeah, mostly I know them for their peanut butter stouts and those kinds of things, yeah. Yeah, their peanut butter stout is amazing. But this is a hazy IPA, so quite different. But yeah. So we'll, yeah, let's find out. Oh, and it got a brick wall on it, green lettering, and eh, clever. It says, damn good times, D-A-M, because, you know, beavers. The reason that I'm going to say that we picked this one is because it looks like a school wall with some graffiti on it, and somebody's going back to school. Also, the somebody going back to school, he's getting hazed a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, Free. He gets hazed by his co-workers, he gets hazed by an Avenger, he gets hazed by a bunch of kids. Yeah, just everybody. My problem with a lot of these issues is the intense lack of respect going Spidey's way from everybody. Because you know the best way to ask for help from somebody is to walk up to them, insult the living daylights out of them, and then know fully well that they're going to just do whatever it is you needed them to do anyway. So, well... That's how I got you to start to help me with the show. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, I was going to say that's <laughs> podcasting in a nutshell with a partner. You betcha. <laughs> Hazer's going to haze. Belching Beaver Brewery IPA. New England Hazy. Hazy IPA showcasing a combination of new age hops that rotate throughout the year. 6.6 ABV. Yep. It is a, a nice straw color. It is translucent. Light does go through it, but you can't see nothing. Nice bubbly. A little bit of a inch tall foamy head on that. It smells like a... IPA. Yeah. smells like an IPA, but it smells like a nice IPA, and the taste on it is... Not bad. Getting lemon hits on there. Yeah, getting a little citrus. Heavy citrus there. Definitely getting... There's the hops. The hops coming at the back end. Definitely a hazy IPA. I've tended to enjoy the hazy IPAs that we've had, and... I can say that this is a hazy IPA. Yeah, the heaviest notes are the citrus notes, followed right up by the hop notes. Mm -hmm. It's actually, it comes in like it's going to be harsh, but then it smooths out and mellows out a bit. It still has got that strong hop hit and those strong citrus notes, but I'm expecting it to really come in and drag and really cut. But it doesn't. It just always remains at that level of, I'm going to come in and hurt you, but not really. Not really. I'm just going to be very smooth and mellow. It is very present. Belching Beaver, everything of theirs that I've had, I've really enjoyed. And they do a good job at it. And yeah. they did a really good job of this. This is a, a very nice hazy IPA. Yeah. Bippity-boopity. I don't know what else to say. It's it's yeah. solid. It's pretty 
good. I'm interested to see how it tastes going forward, but... It looks good. It smells good. It tastes good. It is... It's great for what it is. Ta-da! Yeah, there's not much to say about it. It would go into a school and say, hey, I'm a beer on school property. I'm going to haze the substitute teacher. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. It's, and, and it kind of comes in and says, I'm here to teach home economics. Here's how you balance a checkbook <laughs> or build a birdhouse. It's been a while since I've been at school. I don't know what schools do anymore. Don't try to figure out what your daughter does when she goes to school. The Heaven forbid. Well, I know. it. Uh, why, why would I want to learn about that? And I already know she comes home with her homework and it's drawing and letters and stuff. She got a report card. She's doing really good in school. So that's nice. Good. Good. Did, did you get your report card yet from the school saying that you could be a better parent? Oh, no. They gave me a 500. Uh, 500 out of 5,000, but we're, no, we're no, not going to talk about it, that. No, it was a 500-foot restraining order. So... Uh, well, let's go ahead and just move on to the opening credits now, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. That didn't happen. They don't give out. Yeah, it totally credit. happened. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a report card. It was called something else. The Amazing Spider-Man, issue 661, July 2011. The Substitute, part one. Writer, Christos Engage. Penciler, Riley Brown. Inker, Victor Olazaba. Colorist, John Roach. Letterer, Joe Caramanga. Editors, Ellie Pyle, Stephen Wacker. Featuring the Amazing Spider-Man and Reptile Finesse, Hazmat, Veil, Metal, and Striker. And guest starring Carly Cooper, Giant Man, The Future Foundation, and Alex Power. We start in the Future Foundation headquarters. Peter, Sue, and Ben are pulling Reed out of a lecture he is giving to the Smarty Pants Brigade. Reed apologizes and hands the piece of chalk to Alex Power, symbolizing the transference of teacher privileges. Our boy Alex starts to lead the kids in a discussion of Everett's universal wave function theory as Peter looks longingly at the classroom. And that one panel of Alex teaching a class is why we are talking about this book. Bye, Alex Power. See you back in Future Foundation number two. Wish we could talk about you more. You know, according to the theory that Alex is teaching, there is an actualized parallel world where Reed called on Bentley to finish teaching the class. Of course, that would mean that we would not be talking about this issue, and Bentley would have led the class on an experiment of coring an atom, thereby ending that existence. For now, we will follow the monochrome quintet as they fantastic are over to face King Kong in a river. As they start to head out, Spidey, noting that he really isn't the best in kaiju fights, offers to stay behind and teach the class. But Reed, ever so not delicately, intimates that Peter would suck as a teacher. <laughs> Wait, what? Why? Well, the kid's work is at a critical juncture, and Spidey might be more of a distraction than an educational focal point for the kids. Ouch. I mean, fair, but ouch. Before degrees and accreditations can be laid out as evidence, with Reed starting to go down that water slide of poor social skills, Sue points out a distraction from this clumsy and insulting team unbuilding exercise. She might have just as well yelled out, Hey, look, a monkey! As they arrive at the scene where a large, almost ape is bathing in a not-so-clean river. Now... Even though they are battling Mighty Joe Young's cousin, Peter cannot get this teaching thing out of his teeth. He knows he is a good teacher. He knows he has some brains. What does Alex have that he does not? A living family. Ow. I mean, woof. Ow. Okay. Everyone else whose name is not in the front of this book is working the current problem, including Reed, who has discovered that this grape ape has matriculated from the microverse. So, pin a pin on that problem. Knock, knock. Now, who could be knocking on Sue's force field? 
Why, it's none other than Hank Pym, currently standing tall and looking to take a swing at this giant problem. Sue drops the field and Hank lands a left jab on the monkey's jaw. Wham! Which sends Spidey and Ben flying as they were perched on the banana eater's noggin. Good teamwork in there, Hank. Really encourages people to want to do a team up with you. With the extra physical and scientific assistance from Dr. Pym, they web up and then shrink down the peeve primate, where they then continue to pummel the miniaturizing the major microverse panel. <laughs> Bad look, guys. As soon as the shrinking started, the slamming should have ceased. As the baby baboon beatdown blows on, we learn that Giant Man didn't just stumble onto this scene. No, he was looking for the Future Foundation to find out if they could help him out. Yeah, see, at this very moment, the Avengers Academy is in session. There is a group of young heroes who are getting trained by a number of veteran Avengers. Unfortunately, most of the teachers are busy and they are looking for a substitute. So he came to ask one of Reed's teammates. Spidey is a teammate. Someone who is also an Avenger. Yep, that's Spidey too. Someone who is known as the amazing... Spider-Man. The spectacular... Spider-Man. The friendly neighborhood... Spider-Man. Ben Grimm. Oh, that's just me. Hank knows that the thing has respect for many heroes, and some of the kids have isolation issues that he thinks Ben could really help out with. Ben declines, and then mumbles something about his rabbi, threatening him with incidents from his personal record, that if he tried to teach, he might not be allowed by law. I mean, let's just not get into this right now. Spidey has had enough. He points out that he was the original teenage superhero, and that he also actually has a teaching license. He was paid to teach kids professionally for a time. Probably before he was fired. Hush you. Well, gosh, I guess Peter is the most qualified. And as Hank points out, Spidey has already made every mistake in the book. They actually use him as a case study of what not to do. Oh, and there's another connection that Peter should know about. These potential students were saved from a torture and brainwashing program that Norman Osborn had started. So they are working on making these teen heroes, uh, heroed, not future criminals. Whom exactly of these hopefully not future criminals are we talking about that need some teaching? Glad you asked, Rick. Here, I made you some trading cards. You can explain half of them. Goody, goody, goody. Okay, we got hazmat. Jennifer Takeda. She is not a mutant, but for some reason her body emits harmful radiation. So she is confined to a containment suit and despises walks on the beach. Because you cannot get the sand out of that containment suit. Metal. Ken Mack. Has a body of living iridium. He is trapped in a metal form and has no feeling of physical touch. He is attracted to gift store magnets. Finesse. Jean Foucault is a polymath and a master of knowledge and skills. She is very similar to Taskmaster. Uh, Greg Davies? No, the other one. Her biological father might be a criminal, and her shoe size is nine. Next is Reptile, Humberto Lopez. He has a crystallized bone medallion that lets him take on abilities of different dinosaurs, including some shape-shifting. He loses control sometimes, especially around chocolates and small prey animals. Veil. Madeline Berry can change into a gaseous form, but she is slowly drifting apart. Her tech spec gives her an eight in art. And finally, Stryker, Brandon Sharp. He has electricity-based powers, and he may have positively definitely killed someone in self-defense. Also, he has memorized all of the state's capitals in order of letters in their names. Well, Mr. Kata, how do you like this group of sweat hogs? It truly feels like Peter recognizes this as more than a gig, and Hank really supports and appreciates his colleague helping him out. Being an inspiration might prevent these kids from being the next villain. Sure, but you always have to watch out for the malevolent cosmic forces that bend your will. You really can't protect against that. Or alien symbionts. 
Moving on. Peter may have a brave face while he's wearing a mask, but it is a different story when he is bending the truth and talking to his girlfriend, Carly, who has no idea that he is Spider-Man. To add on to the one lie, he also lies about why he stopped teaching, which was because Tony Stark convinced him to reveal his secret identity to the world, and bad guys were then trying to kill him and everyone around him, so he quit teaching and then magicked everyone into forgetting about all of that, but that's really confusing, so he claims it was due to budget cuts. He does tell Carly the truth about one thing, though. He admits that he messes up a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. True that. Luckily, Carly is pretty awesome, and she gives him the smile and pep talk that he needs. She gives him a uh, go get him tiger? Well, not in those specific words. MJ has those trademarked. But in sentiment, yes. And the effects of that pep talk last right up until he actually starts class. I mean, they are all there and are sitting in their seats, so it's a good start. You would think, but the first class is on superhuman ethics, and Spidey gives them a pop quiz, hot shot. You are on top of a tower in L.A., and the love of your life is being pulled towards a broken window by an extraordinary burglar who is falling to his death. What do you do? Well, that is Die Hard, and not what he asked. Peter pulls something from his past, jocks mocking the hero in their civilian attire, calling them names like Egghead. The scenario and Peter come out of that late 50s mindset, which is a point that Stryker makes as he says that he would just use his powers on him. His identity is known and his mom has Avengers security on her. In fact, the entire premise is questioned about the use of secret identities and the public perception that empowered people are dangerous by their very nature. Oh, snap. This class is a little more plugged in than your average bear. Okay, new scenario. How about you're on a date? Oh, kids don't call them that anymore. Dang it. Hey, good news. Reptile thinks that this is an honor, but he wants to know why Spidey went from being a celebrity to being a menace. He had the chance to be a big wrestling champ. Why throw it away to be a punching bag for the media? Oh man, that's such a setup. But that's okay. This is what Spidey always is waiting for. You see, with great power comes... Great responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Giant Man always tells the kids that all the time. Why is Spider-Man stealing Professor Pym's catchphrase? And seriously, why not just make money and help people that way? This, of course, is followed by a breakdown of how Spider-Man could have set up a company to funnel through all of the money he could have made without sacrificing his identity. He could have been the spider of Wall Street. So Webhead moves the class out to do some patrolling. Good move. Now, these kids are questioning the logic of patrolling. You know, wandering around hoping someone breaks the law so you can punch them in the face. Peter is really struggling here. He is trying to be cool, look cool, provide cool knowledge, but he forgot one important thing. He is Peter Parker, and Peter Parker is not cool. Which may be why he lost track of his words while deep in thought. The kids have spotted a couple of muggers harassing a lady in an alley, and have responded with prejudice. First, a fist for metal as the other perp fires his gun. Blam! Blam! Followed by a double team of finesse and striker taking out the guy with the gun. Spidey swings down and chastises the kids for their hasty actions, even as the victim is saying that oh, they did good. What with saving her life and all. Peter does take a moment and recognizes the muggers. Hey, he knows these guys. They are small timers, purse snatchers. But their actions seem a bit off, especially when they told the victim that they hated her. Yeah, it's usually Spider-Man that everyone hates. Little synapses are firing off in Peter's head. 
Fear, anxiety, microverse, hot pockets. This can only mean... The Psycho Man. I was going to say indigestion because of the hot pockets. But you seem pretty sure of your answer, so uh, explain. Well, remember a couple of episodes ago when Spider-Man and the Future Foundation were traveling through the microverse, and there was someone that was watching them and scheming? Well, here he is, the schemer. And he loves to instill fear, self-hate, and all kinds of anxiety into people. It's kind of his thing. Okay, cool. He is like any bad manager a job then. It's good to know who it is, though, as I thought it was a South Korean rapper who had developed his own company and was introducing it to the kids. Wait, wait what? Opa. Opa. Psycho style. Opa. 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 Uh, j- just, Rick, just stop. So, bad guy from another dimension. Reveals his plans to attack the Future Foundation, feeding his anguished batteries on their agony, using a tablet with fear, doubt, and hate to infect them all. Yada, yada, yada. Bored now. This kid's attack. I mean, they've got no respect for the classics. You have to give the villain time to monologue. Oh, interesting side note. His tech pad is projecting the words into each individual's native language for them to read. Because his victims just need to know what flavor of bad guy he is. Wow. Okay. That is very equitable of this guy. You know, most people do not think about that kind of accessibility for their clients. He loves to spread fear, no matter the border or barrier. It's kind of inspiring, really. Well, this initial attack by the kids in the academy is not successful. Psycho Man flexes his hate muscle and... Sham. The kids all fall down. The next adolescent attack wave gets hit with fear, and they fall as well. Now Spider-Man is off to the side, observing, caught up in his own cycle of fear and doubt, recognizing that this is worse for the kids because they have never faced villains who have caused this kind of psychological damage before. In fact, with Psycho Man hand-waving his powers around, the students are all turning on each other, each of them blaming the other in turn for their very own misery. But Peter is the amazing Spider-Man, and if he can lift a building off of himself in order to save the ones he loves, he can also dig deep and be the best substitute teacher the Avengers could settle for since their original choice turned them down. And with a... Thwip wump. He uses some webbing to pull metal into hazmat, taking down the two aggressive students before throwing a flying kick at Psycho Man's face. A jab, a left cross, an uppercut, and a boot to the back of the head is enough for the bad guy to drop his microverse iPad knockoff, causing it to break. Who to the ray? Unfortunately, this has happened to him before, and Psycho Man has anticipated such a scenario and built redundancies. And so, Spider-Man now finds himself surrounded by a class full of kids who all hate him. Congratulations, Peter. You are officially a teacher of teenagers. So while Peter gets to this enjoyable task of being hated by teenagers, we get the enjoyable task of talking about a book where Peter gets hated by teenagers. (laughs) Aren't we lucky? Let's start off with the cover of this issue. Amazing Spider-Man 661, The Avenger Academy Gets Schooled. So we got Peter in front of a class, and we see Finesse, Striker, Metal, hazmat, and reptile. They're all at the good old classic wooden desks with the you know, little tray thing. We all know them. We all sat them in school. He's at a uh, blackboard. It looks like he's going through the demonstration about how he got bit on the hand by a radioactive spider because that's kind of what's drawn on the blackboard. And Peter's saying, now who has to use the little superhero's room? And Stryker's in the back saying, ooh, 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 with his hand up. Pack your lunches. It's time for higher education in the mighty Marvel manner. Can you even stand it? So I like this cover. I think it's a lot of fun. I think that it's, it really is only one little part of it, but it kind of is the entire piece with Peter being the substitute teacher in the school. I kind of wish 
more of it was about this and we didn't get into the psycho man or anything else. I wanted to see more of Peter in the classroom doing things like this and just randomly trying to teach the kids stuff and just failing throughout. Oh, I 100% agree. Psycho Man's not exactly a favorite character. Any of the characters that can do the, and I make people f- have fear and self-doubt, they're always kind of, eh. So you cool, make us feel like we're great. people. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, good. You just gave me the emotions and feelings that I already had. I already didn't like myself and was tired and just and just hated people because I needed to have dinner. Thank you, Psycho Man. You've just extended my bad day. Can I just get to the part where I, like, Squat in front of the TV with a beer. Ugh. Spidey just teaching kids at school would have been super amazing and kind of interacting with them because he's kind of, I think he still sees himself really as like the underdog teenage hero when he's not anymore. And it would have been kind of neat to be like, wait, these are the new underdog teenage heroes. And yeah, what are they talking about? What are their deals? And what's, what's their issues? And how can I help them and relate to them? And how different are we and how can we re- relate on those differences? That would have been fun. Yeah. I, I want to mention, too, that this cover was done by Ed McGuinness, Maury Hollowell, and Chris Eliopoulos. And I think Chris Eliopoulos' name is on here for the lettering because he's a letterer. We have interviewed him on our show before and he's a really amazing guy. But that, I was kind of wondering, like, why do we have three people do, doing the art like Chris Eliopoulos? Oh, they give him credit for doing the lettering on the front. So... Bravo. No, I like this cover a lot. I it's nice. It's a good Spider-Man. It it's good characters all the way around. I I just I enjoy it. I think it's really fun. The sad thing is I think that the the cover might be a little bit better than the book itself. I liked a lot of the parts about the book, but I I think mm. the cover is pretty darn good. And uh, yeah. I, I think we've said uh. too. I just wish there was more of what that cover was. There are parts yeah. about this book that I liked that I enjoyed, but the cover is maybe one of the better parts of the book. It's true. Also, I was looking at it on uh, Marvel Unlimited, and it was it was really soft focus on the pages. I don't know if you had a hard copy or not, but the art is fine. It's not great, but it also was very Vaseline lens smear kind of thing to me. In my opinion, it had a very like kind of soft focus. Hmm. Going yeah, I think on, that might that. be the transfer. Uh- I mean, some of it is very crisp, but it just, it's not the greatest art. And there were stuff where it's no. just kind of like near the beginning. Yeah, I can I can see the, the artwork itself is I, the color is good on this. It's a different type of color, kind of like a more of a magazine or prestige format coloring choices. But yeah, I can kind of see what you're talking about, that the arts, the arts, OK, the yeah, arts it, all right. Yeah, it's not kind of just really kind of looking at it a little bit and. Once again, this is Riley Brown did the art in the book. I don't, I'm not familiar with their work. There's some pieces I like, but some of the, I, I think some of the bigger action parts are really good. I think it's the mm-hmm. more standalone pieces that are not as great, which is interesting. You can kind of tell where they put their time into the art. Yeah. And where they then said, hey, I got to meet the deadline here. It's a transition panel. Yeah. Eh, let's get into this a little bit more, though. Let's talk a little bit about the teachers and Marvel. We are to the point now, and especially when this book came out, and some of the books nowadays, too, is where we are seeing some of the people that we saw as heroes learning to be heroes, kids, younger people. We're seeing them now being the teachers. Or even, in Wolverine's case, the headmaster. Of the Jean Grey Institute for Higher Learning or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. I I was going to mention that in a lot of the newer X-Men books, especially the New Moons titles on Krakoa, 
the people who were the new mutants, the kids who were the new mutants are now adults. They have all been on different teams. They've done different things. And a lot of them have taken it up their mantle that they are reaching out and teaching the younger kids, trying to teach them as mutants what it is to use their powers and how to fight together and how to get into some of these things. So I like the idea. I like the idea of the Avengers Academy. Let's teach the kids, especially when these kids are being picked up by villains and being taught for evil. Let's try to teach them the right way of doing things. And let's use our knowledge and our experience to do this. I like that idea. And I like that concept of moving it forward and bringing it forward and having Spider-Man teach ethics, especially in a more of a suburban or downtown city setting. That's perfect for him. That's what he mm-hmm. does. He is, in fact, a good teacher. And I was just reading another comic, where, you know, Future Foundation, where once again, Spider-Man says something intelligent and everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah. everybody forgets that he's intelligent and smart just all the time. And the fact that yeah. it's just like, yeah, he can teach kids. He does that. He can teach lots of things. He's on par with a lot of people and better than a lot of people at some of these aspects where it's like relating to humans. So... <laughs> And by that, I just mean people in the Marvel Universe, where he can talk to, he can talk to a lot of people. I like Spider-Man there as a teacher. I like the concept of teaching. Like we were mentioning before, I think that I wish we had more opportunities to see him doing teaching instead of having this giant Spider-Man versus Psycho-Man type of a thing. In this story, the Psycho-Man stuff is really the, the B story. I know they've been building to it, but to me, it's the B story, almost the C story. It's kind of like, yeah, do the, do the Spidey... You know, the Pete feeling unsure of himself, the Spidey going and teaching. I also like the fact Spider-Man is dressed as Spider-Man in his classic red and blues, as opposed to in his Future Foundation costume. Yeah, well, he's not on the team right then. He's doing his own thing. I think it's it makes sense. You dress for the job you're doing at the moment. You know, he, Peter's not going to show up with the lab coat on while he's working at the gas station. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. <laughs> I know you haven't been out there in the workforce for a while, but you know, not everybody just shows up in their underwear for all of their meetings. Hey, I heard the line, dress for the job you want. And I dress for that job, which is I don't want one. So underwear it is. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I do most of my job sitting in front of a computer doing Zoom meetings or Teams meetings. And uh, yeah, I'm wearing comic book tees and shorts. And mm-hmm. heck, if anybody can really look down and see me from the waist down. So whatever. <laughs> Talk a little bit about Avengers Academy. Just briefly mention it. We are going to be visiting the series in about uh, seven months when we pick up another one of the Power Pack members as they matriculate to the L.A. campus. Hmm, I wonder who that could be. In L.A.? Trying to be a movie star. What? Could be, could be anybody. So we are going to get in talking to these characters, plus some more Avengers Academy characters later. So I'm not going to spend too much time talking about them now. I do kind of like these characters. I read up on some of the Avengers Academy stuff before, and I was kind of liking a lot of it. I, I didn't get into a lot of the backstory with the characters as much as I would have liked to, but... I like what they've done with them. I like the fact that Marvel is trying to introduce new characters and trying mm-hmm. to create new stories with them. It's great that we always go back to a lot of our favorites, but try to introduce some new kids, some new characters into the universe. It's always a good thing. Let's see which ones stick. Let's see which ones don't. It is neat to see new characters, and you can tell different stories with them. Or, this, or honestly, you can tell the same stories you've told before, but with a, a new paint job on it. <laughs> that hasn't happened a few times in Marvel Comics. Well, that's all right. That's all right. The story itself... I guess we should kind of get into some of this here. We've got three acts, realistically. We got the first one where 
hey, there's this giant monster from the microverse that's come up to cause havoc. What the heck? Let's fight it. I like the Monster of the Week introduction. Mm -hmm. It's okay that it's tied to the Psycho Man piece. It could not have been tied to the Psycho Man piece. I'm fine with it either way. I just like that there's a call. We have to go out and fight this thing. We're going to figure it out. And in the process, other things are happening. Yes. Spider-Man didn't think this was going to come around and bother him again. But yeah, it did. I don't mind that at all. And I like, they're in the middle of fighting it, and there's Hank Pym as Giant Man. <laughs> just, Sweet! Just is. <laughs> yeah, and it makes sense, too. They're in New York. If a giant monkey showed up in a harbor in New York, I think it would be swamped with heroes. It's like, well, who uh, whose title is here? Because is this an X-Men or an Avengers or an East Coast Avengers? Or is this a Spider-Man or a Cloak and Dagger or a Daredevil? Who's here? We get a giant man here. He's going to handle the giant ape. It's all okay. It's all okay. Uh, I think we've talked in a little bit about how much we liked Peter in the classroom, how much we wish we could have seen more of that or more of that type of thing. But then we have them going out on patrol and meeting up a psycho man. And I know what they're doing there. I, It's fine. It's okay. I just, I don't know. I, I kind of wanted something else in this book. I wanted it to do something else. But the writer, Christos Gage, has a couple of things that are like a couple of books that he's going to write in the middle of the Dan Slot run here. He's got an opportunity to drop in and do this, this story really quick. He's got to tell him two books. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I can't lay down a lot of groundwork for other stuff. It has to kind of be, yeah, dip and dip. Yeah. Because I, I kind of liked what he had. I liked the the beats he was laying down. I just, it kind of gets lost and muddled a little bit in that last act of this book. Of course, we're not going to finish wrapping up this story because Alex Power's not in the next issue, so yep. we don't care. Uh, well, we mm -hmm. care, but we, we don't care. Does that make sense? Yeah. We care, <laughs> but we are not going to talk about it because there's no power there. Which means that we don't care. So, to wrap up that story, of course the kids all head out to do evil because Psycho Man has made them feel evil. He's taking control of them. And Peter has to work with each of them to fight it off and then fight and defeat Psycho Man who shrinks back to the microverse. Yay! We put all the toys back in the toy box. They all have a talk with Giant Man and Spidey thinks that he is a failure. But the kids say that this was the best day ever and they all learn something. So it's very similar to how we did the last <laughs> book where Peter's like I'm a failure because I let the bad guys get away. No you're not Peter because you still saved everybody. It's nice that the, the theory and the and the act of just stoking Peter's ego is able to continue. Yes. I'm very pro of that because uh, I'm a fan of Spider-Man and he needs all the cheerleaders he can get. <laughs> Maybe if he just would do a better job, people wouldn't need to tell him that he's not doing a bad job. There's that. But I mean, he, he really self-sabotages a lot. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else in the book itself that you want to talk about? Or should we get to the final thoughts? No, we could probably get to the final thoughts. We might be discussing some of those things are there. All right, then it sounds good. Let's talk a little bit about the Gallery of Greatness. We like to take some art from the book and put it up on that the substitute teacher's room. I mean, it's the substitute teacher's room, so there's no cool stuff in the room. But if we can take out some different artwork and put it out there, hooray, hooray, hooray. So let's talk about some joke ones. Jeff, you got a good joke one for us, or you want me to start it off? I've got one. It is on page seven of Marvel Unlimited, and I call it Not So Big Now, Aria. <laughs> and that is the bottom right-hand panel when the microverse monster is shrinking down to man size, and you know Ben Graham is still punching him in the head. You know, <laughs> Ben, let it go, man. Let it yeah. go. The guy's down. Yeah, and shrinking, and still getting pummeled. 
and he's all webbed up and the beating continues it's it's not a good look it's really not a good look it's kind of like as soon as giant okay giant man punched a giant monster okay uh that's fair but then giant man's like oh it's a microverse thing i can shrink it and then they start shrinking it and it keeps shrinking and they keep punching it and the fight's kind of done but they're not done and it's bad Come on, let's let the giant ape go back to the microverse. You know, it's going to get small and it's going to punch your little toe and, and we're going to call it good. Just let it go. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about mine. It is on the first page and it's the second panel down. And I call this one, why are we here class? And it's Alex teaching. There, there's a lot here. It's First of all, it's the only real, we, I, mean, I guess we see the back of Alex's head in the panel above it, but really it's the only shot of Alex we have. And he's in there and he's talking about this and he's reading off the the notes. And there's this, even though Peter's got his mask on, you see the longing in his eyes. You see the yeah. sad look in his eyes as he's just like, but, but, I but I want to do that. I can be there. I can be there. I'm not good against giant monsters, but I can be great <laughs> in a classroom with kids. I don't want to, I don't want to go. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. I, I kind of found that one funny. What else did you find funny? <laughs> well, on page eight, mm-hmm. I call it not so big now, are ya? <laughs> and this is because now it's Reed's turn to manhandle the, the miniaturizing monkey. It's Ben and Giant Man and Spider Man all in the foreground talking. In the background is Reed and Sue, and Reed's just like holding this uh, miniaturizing monkey up by the scruff of its neck and kind of like just looking at it, giving it a shake before it gets put into a force bubble. And it's just, once again, not so big now, are you? Because as the monster shrinks, it just gets manhandled more and more by members of the Fantastic Four. It's an ape that's getting beat up. <sighs> All right. I know I was trying to <laughs> defend the ape before, but now I want to go ahead on. I want to go the other side on this one. Mm-hmm. If you had the chance to beat up an ape, wouldn't you? Oh, uh, I mean, who who are we bragging about it to? Because... <laughs> Jeff, who else? Peta. <laughs> oh, oh, well then definitely yes. While eating chicken fingers and telling them about how good Matt's barbecue is, then yes. <laughs> All right, I would like to go to I think this is about the fourth or fifth page here. And this is where they have just started the to engage the great ape. And mm-hmm. and we've got Ben and Peter have jumped down out of the Fantastic Four. Peter's first move is to shoot webbing. Directly in the apes' eyes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just, yep, 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 yep. Just Spidey webbing up the eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's on page six. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. <laughs> Once again, Peter's there saying, hey, what y'all doing to yeah. this ape? <laughs> yeah, why'd you blind this monkey? What's going Why? Why are you people doing this? I'd like, yeah, to, go, I'd like to go back to my earlier question, Jeff. If you had the chance to web up a monkey in the eyes wouldn't you take it <laughs> well my miniature stone friend jumped on its head and punched it obviously yes yes, <laughs> yes obviously all right let's talk about some good artwork <laughs> what uh, what good artwork you got on the page that you're on which is page six of marvel unlimited i call it sky assault and Rick already uh, mentioned this. This is when Spidey and Ben are jumping out of the Fantastic Car and are about to do some uh, serious noggin damage to this great ape. Yeah. I, I just thought it looked beautiful. It just looks really, really nice. No, it, it does. It does. Uh, we've seen something like that over in the Fantastic Four one, the first one where Spider-Man was there. They did the same thing when they're jumping down into the prison that 
the wizard yes. was getting bro- yep. broken out from. It it felt very very similar to me on that one. Hmm, it might even be just a, a trace of it. It yeah, it, very similar, but it's a good look. It's a good look. My backup good art is on the last page, and it's just mm. classic wall crawler. And and what we got here is we got Spider Man. He is on the wall, on a brick wall. He's looking down at all these kids that he has been trying to teach all day long, and they're all looking up him ready to attack. And all of them are saying hate, 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 hate. And mm-hmm. he's saying, oh boy, it's a good image. I like Spider Man against a brick wall like that i think it looks good i think it's a fun fun picture it is it's a good one it was on my list it didn't make my list but it's on my list well if that didn't make your list what did on page 17 uh, it's a slash page and i call it the psycho man psycho killer yeah it's just it's the uh psycho man giving himself an introduction and he's you know floating down from the dark sky surrounded by kirby crackle and floating down onto the uh, the kids and their teacher in the alleyway. And it just, I'm like, yeah, I don't like Psycho Man, but I, this is a good look. I like it. Yeah. yeah, it is. Very, very, very good look. So my top one is what I call When Titans Punch. Mm. And it yep, had to nice. be, had to be Giant Man Hank Pym giving that jab. It might be his left crosser right into the big apes jaw it's just it's cool you got the bridge behind them you got ben and spider-man kind of going flying at the same time it's there is a lot in that and it's just fun 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 it is a glorious image that you picked there i love that again on the list just didn't make it but boy i really thought about it (laughs) well now that we punched the ape Let's go ahead and make fun of the ape or other people with rubber and glue moment. What was the best or most childish insult? Jeff, let me talk to you about what I think about you. You are Uh nothing but a stuck up brat. Ooch. Ooch. Ouch. That was something that Hazmat said. Ooch. Hazmat was, I was talking about her coworkers. I think this is in the midst of this uh, entire filled or emotion-filled thing that Psycho Man's doing, but she yeah. lets out with stuck-up brats. Yeah, there were some good ones in there by the kids when they were uh, uh, Psycho man Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like that one. Including Metal telling him, it's like, you think, you, you know, I think he was all like, you think you're better than me? You won't be so pretty when your bones are broken like glass. There's some good stuff in there. That was one of mine. What do you have for yours? Well, I'm going to go with something off page eight from Giant Man. And this is uh, his really interesting way of asking Spider-Man for help, where he's talking about, you know, you're the ideal choice. These are at-risk kids, and you've already made virtually every mistake a young hero possibly could. What? Like what? Well, your ill-advised professional wrestling career, allowing yourself to be branded a menace, which seems to have stuck. The Spider-Mobile, we use you as an example of what not to... Uh, just stop it. Stop it. <laughs> your, your ideal choice. You're perfect. You're exactly what we need. Don't just start talking about how bad a choice it is. You're the best choice because you're the worst choice. No, 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 no. And once again, Hank Pym, you better just know your role there, buddy, because you you were one to talk about Ooh, yeah. all this stuff. You know, yeah, let, let's, let's think about what you're doing. Let's see what you're yep. doing. My top one comes from Psycho Man himself, and this is in the midst of him getting attacked by all the kids, like Metal just attacked him, Hazmat's coming up to him, and he lets out this power burst, and they all go flying away, and he says, wretched urchins, wretched urchins. I mean, love it. Yep, <laughs> you just named my top one. That's the one, yep. That's yeah. that's that's my favorite insult from Psycho Man on page 19. It's 
ancient, it's old, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> is what it is. It's fantastic is what it is. I loved it. It was perfect. <laughs> Let's get into this Parent of the Year Award, the Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting. Ironically or non-ironically, I am going to go Ironic Award this time. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give it to Psycho Man. Ooh, okay. Psycho Man, you should not, you should not, you should not teach kids only about hate, fear, and doubt. I mean, you should include that in your teaching. You should have that as part of what you're teaching. That that should not be your only curriculum for teaching. <laughs> if you're in front of kids and your only thing you're giving them is hate, fear, and doubt, well, my brother, trust me, these are teenagers. They've got that already. <laughs> so... I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it when I like the fact in this part we can do it as a, a joke or as a serious because you took it as the joke and I'm going to do it I'm, as I'm serious. Not, I'm doing it serious. I don't think that Psycho <laughs> okay. Man should be should 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 be getting the ironic Reed Richards not good parenting award. Okay. I'm going for a actual good parenting and I'm going to give it to Ben. Really? Yeah, I'm going to give it to Ben because he was the one getting Reed out of the classroom to go like, hey, we got a monster fight and we could just tell the mayor you're really into telling a tale about quantum physics instead of fighting this monster that's going to destroy the town. So he got Reed to get going. Later on, when Reed is eating his foot with all kinds of sides, you know, when he's talking to Spider-Man about him being a massive disruption and bad influence and everything to the kids, Ben talks him down later and he's just like, hey, you know, ignore Reed. What he's trying to say is that... The kids see you as more of a peer than as a parent. They see you more as somebody that they're a buddy with instead of a teacher. So he was doing some good stuff. And then when he was introduced with like, hey, here's a teaching job you could do. And he's like, he stuck to his guns and said no. But he also gave a reason. He was like, "Uh, if my schooling is anything, I'm going to do more damage to these kids than not. But also, he was a great parent because he got asked to volunteer at his kid's school. And he didn't want to. (laughs) So... Not even his kid's school, just his buddy's kid's school. And he's like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the most popular and most shunned. We want to identify the character who has the best and the worst in this issue. Jeff, who do you have for your worst in this issue? It's Reed Richards. It's always Reed Richards. It's Reed. Reed. Really? Why? Wasn't going to fight the kaiju, didn't let Spider-Man teach a class, insulted Spider-Man a whole bunch. Reed, in a lot of these, for being such a smart man, is just very kind of like reactionary or has no clue what's going on. I just, it just Reed. It, everybody okay. was kind of okay. Nobody was really great. Nobody was wonderful. Nobody was super terrible, but Reed just kind of stuck in my craw as he tends to. Okay. All right. All right. I went ahead. I gave it to Peter. Mm-mm. I kind of felt that, especially after going the entire time saying, I want to teach. I'm a good teacher. I can do this. I can really do this. Then he just kept getting into his own head. He Mm. wasn't, at the beginning, he wasn't focusing on the job because he was spending more time thinking about being a teacher. And and, and he wants to be a teacher. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. You're fighting a big ape. Mayhaps you should focus on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when he got the job, the yes, I got the job. Oh my god, I'm gonna fail at the job. Oh okay, no, I well, got the you, job. Yeah, you, you you know maybe not. Maybe try to plan a bit more before you just do seat seat of the pants teaching. Maybe you should have some kind of plan in there. He did. <laughs> he was uh, going to talk about going on a date, and yeah, he was pulling that stuff out of his pants pocket. Potentially. 
mostly around the back pocket, kind of near his butt. Ooh, Might where have been it was worn right of his butt. So that's okay, where, where, where his where his pocket was worn real thin because his wallet's been there for a long time. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I am saying, Peter Parker, you could have done better. I'm going to shun you a little bit this time. Interesting. Who is the most popular? Peter Parker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stepped up, wanted to be the teacher, got the teaching gig, was trying to help the kids, even though he was getting in his own head and in his own way and was being afflicted by a psycho man, making him feel self-doubt and everything. Trying to teach the kids not to just beat the living daylights out of muggers and stuff and realizing, figured out the whole psycho man thing. He's like, you don't treat even villains this way. These are purse snatchers. And also, wait a minute, all these things. Wait, it's the psycho man. And then... The standard spider thing where even though he's feeling really scared, he's like, yeah, I know I'm not good enough, but I learned this from my Uncle Ben. I may never be good enough, but I can always try. And he breaks free of Psycho Man's psychoness and you know saves the kids from hurting each other and all sorts of stuff. He dug deep. You're basically saying that he's the best because he tried real hard. And succeeded. <laughs> he did a great job with the kids at school. He did a great job with a monkey. Did real good with lots of stuff. <laughs> well, I... I went a different route. I went with Giant Man. And let me tell you why. First of all, Giant Man, teacher at the school, he needs to find himself a substitute teacher, goes to the Fantastic Four. He's got a plan. He's going to go out and talk to the Fantastic Four, see if he can get Ben Grimm, because he's got a plan. He knows what he wants Ben Grimm to do. This is a plan. And when Ben pawns off, says, you know, I can't. And Peter says, look, I can do it. He listens. Giant Man listens to Peter Parker and he gives him a chance. So even though he had reservations in there, goes, you know, we use you kind of as an example of what not to do. He still gave him a chance and he recognized what Peter could possibly bring, what Spider-Man could possibly bring to this uh, teaching opportunity. So I thought Giant Man, not bad. Okay, not a bad choice. Giant Man had been teaching all these these trouble kids before and kept on sharing his very famous catchphrase with them all the time. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, that old Giant Man Bon Mott. Hey, you know what? Hank Pin didn't see any trademark on it. Hank Pin knows trademark. <laughs> Hank Pin knows trademarks. He looked. <laughs> there was no trademark on that. Now, anytime Peter says that he owes uh, Hank Pym a nickel. Just saying, maybe Peter should uh, do a little more studying in that trademark department. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about top grades. We want to evaluate this issue with the other issues that have a member of Power Pack in them. Of course, we're starting off with Fantastic Four number 588, A Month of Mourning. Going down to spot number nine, Loners, volume one, number two, Reflex Actions. That's where Johnny goes solo. Going down to spot number 16, ah, Sadness Abounds as a Fantastic Four rebrand with a spider in their midst. Woohoo! FF number one, The Club. Spot number 25, Loners number six, the final issue. Phil leaves and everybody gets mad at everybody. Mm-hmm, that's true. And of course, bottom, Loners number three, What Lies Beneath. Jeff, where are you feeling about this one? Kind of feeling in the like 20, the the high 20s, kind of the 27-ish, 26-ish area. Just because this had some neat stuff, but it also had a lot of not super great kind mm-hmm. of thing. It was an okay story. It could have been a lot better. 26 is the, the previous issue where they fight with pirates in the Sinister Six, Ocean's Eleven's the Baxter Building kind of. Yeah, and it, that was a very poignant, disappointing ending. Yeah, and this kind of had, I don't know. This was better than that one. This really yeah, okay. was better than that one. I like this one a bit more. I would bring this up a 
bit. Yeah, I could see that. I'm look, starting to look at some stuff above that. And it's like, oh, loners number six, where Phil leaves and everybody gets mad at everybody. Man, whatever. Darkhawk crystal acts up and ruins Chris's life. Hey, uh, you, know so. what? you know what? Let's let's do this. Let's put this between the Wolverine one and the New Warriors annual. That to bounce or not to bounce, that was pretty clever. Yeah, This has got fun. some good things in it. It just hasn't hit all the marks. The right. Wolverine one was, it was an okay story. It just was kind of coming in at the end of it. Yeah. So I, I think that this fits in nicely between the two. I think this would be a good number 23. I'm okay with that. I think I'm okay with that. Let's talk about this beer then. We have been drinking Belching yep. Beavers, Hazers, Gonna Haze, Hazy IPA. You know what? You know, we were talking about somebody getting hazed by a lot yeah. of people. Beer by everybody. by a lot of people. Oh, yeah. No, I've been enjoying it. I'm down to like the last three quarters of an inch in my uh, pint glass. So decent beer, enjoyable. The flavor has been pretty consistent. Yeah. If, if anything else, I think that the hops aren't as powerful at the end, yeah. which a lot of times we get a lot more of that rusted metal taste later mm-hmm. on when we're when the beer warms up. Not getting that this time with this. So this is good. Belching Beaver Brewery makes really good beers. They're consistent in what they do. And this has got a very consistent flavor and it's it's nice. It's flavorful. It's mild. I enjoy it. It is not a beer that I would default to all the time, but I'd totally drink it again. But it's a good 3-5 for me. I'm going to go ahead and go with a four on it. I'm enjoying it. I like it. I think that if I'm going to drink another IPA, this would be one that I would drink. Belching Beaver is a recognizable name, so eh, not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, enjoying it. And another thing that we enjoy is Kids Perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 12-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Day. Hey, we are here to talk about another comic book. What are the odds? Yay! We are talking about Amazing Spider-Man 661, correct? Yeah. What did you think about this comic book? It was fun. Kind of funny that, yet he was trying to teach, but... You think it's funny that Spider-Man was trying to teach? I don't know. He's kind of struggling. Do you think that he would make a good teacher? He probably would. It's just probably some of the students that make make it hard. So you think it's the students that are making it hard for him? Sure. Okay. He thinks in his mind he'd be a good teacher, right? Yeah. Would you like to be taught by Spider-Man? I mean, that would be pretty cool. I mean, being taught by Spider-Man. But wouldn't that mean that you would have to have superpowers or something? I wouldn't mind having superpowers. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, what was your favorite parts in this book? I liked when they were introducing the characters. Then you got a feel for the people. Okay. I kind of liked it when he was teaching. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they were making fun of him? Pretty much. Actually, they weren't really making fun of him. They were kind of just making it difficult. Yeah, they were making it difficult. Kind of like how you make it difficult for your substitute teachers, right? Those are the kids that are doing it. I try my best. You're one of the kids, right? I'm thinking of it on the inside. So you don't give substitute teachers a hard time? No. Other kids do that, and we all get blamed for it. Well, you aren't standing up and saying, knock it off, all you evildoers. Actually, I kind of don't want you to do that, because that's a whole other series of problems, but... (laughs) (laughs) What about the fight with Psycho Man? What did you think about that? How do you like Psycho Man as a villain? I mean, it's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. He can control what they're thinking. What they're feeling? What they're feeling. Yeah. So that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Making you have fear or doubt or uncertainty. Yeah, that's that can really mess with how you live. If he was a hero. Yeah. I don't know how that would have worked. If he was a normal person, it still would have been kind of scary. 
Like, if, if he went to a school where I knew him... Not so much? No. <laughs> That'd be scary. Okay. All right. What did you think about the cover of this book? It's kind of funny. Don't really... Yeah. <laughs> Just funny? Yeah. Oh, let's go back to the characters, the new characters that you were talking about, that you were introduced to. I wanted to ask you... I know you didn't get to spend too much time with them. You only got a brief overview of who they are. Do they seem like interesting characters? Would you like to know more about them? Yeah. Anyone in particular? Kind of all of them. <laughs> you didn't really get too much of a chance to see their personalities. You just kind of high level. They look interesting, right? Yeah. Okay. Anything else really stand out in this book for you? Anything else that you really, really enjoyed or really hated? Not really. Oh, this one person, like, Veil or whatever. Yeah. She kind of reminds me of, like, Jack because of, like, the cloud and... A little bit of Jack, maybe a little bit of Kitty Pride because she can phase through things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit like them. Oh, speaking of which, where was Power Pack in this comic? Alex? Yeah? Where was he? Teaching. How many panels was he in? Like, one. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me go back. If you count the back of his head that probably would be two i think you're right i do think you're right <laughs> that that's it, it it's it all counts it all counts every bit counts <laughs> we aren't going to see the wrap-up of this because we don't see alex or any other power pack kids so we aren't going to see the conclusion of this you're going to have to read it on your own we could just make up the conclusion <laughs> <laughs> or you can read it i've got an account to marvel unlimited you can go ahead and pull up the comic book to read it if you wanted to on our trip to Korea. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. All right. Anything else you wanted to talk about, Carrie? Uh, nope. All right. Thank you very much for your time, honey. Bye. Love, love you. And I personally would love to have Spider-Man be a teacher at school. Now it is time for us to shout out and to recognize those listeners that take time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 126, where we covered Amazing Spider-Man, volume one, number 658. And that is where we were joined by our wonderful guest, Douglas Woke. It was so awesome having him on. He was really great. He was wonderful. It was fun talking to him. I would have liked to have talked to him for hours more about comics. And we got some likes and thanks from Al Sedano and his podcast, Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Charles Gears. Colin Stapleton and his podcast, The Worst Comic Podcast Ever. Our amazing and spectacular guest, Douglas Wolk. Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Jeremy Dodd. And Jeremy says, one of the many delights for this episode was Rick's daughter exclaiming Peter Parker having so many girlfriends. That has been a strange feature for me as a reader. Lol. Limax7, who said, My daughter and I drove the Sunset Highway on our way north last summer. We were hoping to do the Four Corners Cache, but didn't have time. We did hit the Great Spring Water Fountains, though, and that was in reference to our beer that we drank that issue. Raymond. Tim Price and his podcast, The Outcasters. Waffles and his podcast, Waffles and Mates Talk About Things. And we want to thank those people that throw us a buck, or a few every now and again, to... Do what we do on the show. These are the people that help us out over at Patreon, and we would really appreciate more people to help us out because it helps pay for our bandwidth and beer. And right now, we want to thank adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial... Jeff Bollier. 
just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way wordy and wobbly Waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky Wind. Next issue, we are going to be covering Future Foundation number two, Doom Nation. Be sure to check out my other show that I sometimes do, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, which you can find some archives of over on the Long Box Crusade Podcast Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeffenberg Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of me and a guy who's recovering. It's amazing. In Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time, costumes, costumes off. Our theme is the Action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Cat on a Dark Road by Brian Holtz Music. All music is found at incoptech.com and it's licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. While Sue shuts down the exploding portal down, while Shoe... Thwip wump. Where they then continue to pummel the miniaturizing of the major microverse man. Almost had it. Thwip wump. Let's talk a little bit about... Blah.